On today's edition of the Locked On Nets podcast, we are back with part two in our NBA award series. We're going to go through six man of the year, most improved player, and coach of the year. All that and more coming up on Locked On Nets. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, okay, so that's that's MVP and Rookie of the Year. Um, let's do Sixth Man next. This one was a little tricky. I felt like in years past, there's kind of been like a Lou Williams type, a Jamal Crawford type, like kind of just like an Eric Gordon, even like a clear scorer who plays like a ton of minutes and is just like should probably be starting, but is just like off the bench for some reason. And it's like, all right, this is clearly the guy. This year, um, there's no one who fits that exact profile. Um, so I kind of went with the guy similar to that. I went with Dennis Schroeder as my sixth man. And then I'll just tell you guys my my full top three. I had Schroeder one, Harrell, Montrezl Harrell second. And I went with Derrick Rose third for the Pistons. Uh, Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I had the same order except Montrez and Schroeder flip-flopped. So oh. because I'm kind of sick of the archetype of the, the, the guard um, who just lights it up off the bench. Obviously, Schroeder had an incredible season. Much improved. I think he could be in the in the mix for that. Spoiler to my ballot. Uh, but I think being a, a really effective bench scorer as a big man uh, rather than a guard is much, much tougher. So I just went with Montrez, who, um, in spite of everything with the Clippers, I have a Paul George in the line, I have out of the lineup, new guys coming in, new guys or old guys going out. He has been extremely consistent this year, uh, and he's kind of been a huge buoy to their team as some of the other guys are figuring it out and uh, really the rock in their lineup. So I went with Montrez first, Schroeder second, and then Rose third. Yeah, and, and Schroeder, 38% from three is crazy, but but Harrell also, I mean, so efficient getting seven rebounds off the bench. Um, he really fills his role well and kind of reminds me of like what a guy like Sabonis was doing uh, last year before eventually uh, starting this season. Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if they like, wind up starting Harrell long-term alongside uh, George and Leonard. Gavin, what do you think about our, our ballots? Yeah, I don't know. I, I go uh, hearing both of you guys, you guys both make good points. I think I'd, I'd lean Schroeder just because I tend to prefer, like I think they're relatively like equal in terms of production this season. Like I just think a creator is a little bit more valuable. Josh's, Josh's argument that Harrell's been like a constant, like sort of, I mean, you can argue the overall second best player on on what I think is one of the two or three best teams in the league is, is pretty compelling. But at the same time, like what Oklahoma City's done th- this year is just ridiculous. And I I know they also have Chris Paul, they also have SGA, they also have Daniel Gallinari, they have a great big man in Stephen Adams. But I, I just I, I mean, Schroeder's been exactly. Sure. I just I just come Schroeder and Schroeder. Schroeder's been good this year. <laughs> so. Yeah, and and I just I love the way he shot the basketball and the fact that he averages four assists per game. Like I don't know, like I think if you're like a big like I, I guess it's this is this is a weird existential basketball argument. But like when you, when you look at if assists or rebounds are more valuable, it's this weird thing where like I was gonna say like look like I think if you're big and you play a certain amount of minutes, and I get that Harold's like particularly active, you're just gonna get rebounding numbers. But also if you're a guard playing 31 minutes a game, it's pretty hard not to get four assists. So I'm I, I might. <laughs> And and it's pretty crazy. I think this is again very off topic. That SGA in 35 minutes only averages three assists per game. But maybe that's because he's not on the ball as much. Anyways, um, I don't really know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a tie for Schroeder. Yeah. <laughs> I think my thing with Montrez is that I think Gavin, to your point, a creator is very valuable. 
but he almost was a, a creator in, in a sense because um, think about just how many like pick and rolls that really weren't going anywhere that he can kind of catch the ball at the free throw line being guarded and spin and either get fouled or, or make a basket. He's able to take a team um, in the Clippers where their bench might be a bit of a weakness. Some of the guards they have, like a Landry Shamit, are more so catch-and-shoot guys, run-off screen guys, and the creators. And he can really make a lot out of nothing, especially on the offensive glass, averaging two-and-a-half offensive rebounds per game. Um, he's almost been—he's like the, the driving force of their bench unit as a big man. Yeah, Josh, you, you swayed me. I'm, I'm going over to Harold. Oh, yeah, you're honestly close to swaying me too. Like, I, I kind of want to reward his his energy and effort. Like, I I think Schroeder um, probably has more responsibility. Yeah. yeah, I think he probably has more responsibility just because Harrell is so often paired with Lou Williams, or like when he's with the Clippers starters, like he's he doesn't have as much defensive attention on him. I think Schroeder, even though he is out there sometimes in those three guard lineups that OKC uses, I think that the reason that Gavin pointed out SGA's assists are lower are because I think he's usually sharing the floor with either uh, Schroeder or Paul, and I think uh, Schroeder, more so than uh, a guy like SGA, is out there by himself sometimes to lead the second unit. So that, that's, I think, why I went with him. But the more the more, and more we talk about it, I think I might, I might switch that. I don't know. Have you guys ever had your aunt add you to a Facebook chat where you don't know anyone? Because that just that happened to me. I haven't had it happen yet, but who knows? Okay. All right. We can keep it moving. All right. Um, uh, Gavin, any comments on Derek Rose before we move on? Any thoughts uh, on him being yeah. third? He's had, a, he's had a nice season on a very, very bad Detroit team. So Yeah. It was it was tough for me to find a third person. Josh, I'm surprised we stumbled on the same one because I, I think we both kind of struggled with that. I think Schroeder and Harrell were like the clear top two. and then. Yeah. I was just like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, can I just throw out something? Did you guys know that Derek Rose is younger than Steph Curry? Because that blew me away when I realized that. <laughs> I guess that, that makes sense. One I don't know. And Rose is a one-and-done guy. This, yeah. this, this one's going to blow you away. Steph Curry is the same age, and once he turns 32, as Andrew Bynum. Dun-dun-dun! <laughs> I feel like you, you could do a whole podcast of just, like, surprising <laughs> NBA ages. A lot of people don't know this, but Corey Maggette is actually younger than DeMontis Sabonis. <laughs> that 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 really blows me away. All right. Uh, that feels like a semi-natural segue because Sabonis did improve a lot this year. Let's talk about most improved. Most improved player. Um, I was hoping coming into the season, Josh, I think you were as well, that Karis LeVert would be in the conversation for this. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, he, had, he had a big injury. Um, but I, I think once he came back, he did look... Uh, a lot better. His shot got more consistent. Unfortunately for me, did not play enough games to merit consideration in this. Um, I think we might start to differ a little bit here, Josh, because uh, our ballots have been mostly pretty similar. Um, for most improved, I had Bam Adebayo first, Fred Van Vliet second, and Devontae Graham third. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I think, well, first to your Karis point, I think he would make the list if it was like biggest in-season glow up for what he did over the last few weeks, but definitely not most improved looking at the entire thing. I can't believe you didn't have Brandon Ingram in the top three. He was, for me, a clear runaway for this award, um, given what he was able to do from an efficiency standpoint, a guy that was really um, took a lot of flack for not having a consistent jump shot, now going out there shooting over six attempts a game from three and hitting them at a 39% clip. What he did this year was awesome to me, and he's been able to put himself on track for being a, a perennial all-star player, or at least borderline all-star player in the years ahead. 
Second, Schroeder, he was a guy that in Atlanta had kind of always been uh, maligned for being inefficient or being a ball hog. And from his three-point shooting and what he did this year, as we already talked about in the six-man segment, um, has been awesome. And then uh, throwing a couple of guys, I didn't really have a clear number three, but to throw a couple guys out there, Van Fleet, who you had on your list, Christian Wood also, um, mm-hmm. tested for coronavirus, but someone, he was he was one of those guys who would just be there in garbage minutes and putting up really good efficiency stats and you say i don't know if this can translate but the year he had with detroit uh getting actually more efficient and better permanent stats while actually playing and contributing to winning i thought was awesome and then a guy who had a season cut short was jonathan isaac um who yeah. wanted to give mention just to address some of yours i think bam um if he definitely got more recognition this year and he has made some really nice improvements but i was super high on him last year also and um I think I was kind of ahead of ahead of the curve on him in the years before, so that's why I'm not rewarding him as much for his glove and the recognition he's gotten around the league. And then um, if this, if we were doing this in November, obviously Devontae Graham was the runaway, but he's been so uh, inefficient and struggling these last few months. I had to dock him, but did consider him. Yeah, his shooting numbers have have really fallen off, but he's still 37% from three uh, for the season, 18 and seven and a half assists a game uh, with Bam. I, I felt like, uh, for me, he's kind of become like a light version of Nikola Jokic. Like 16 points, 10.5 rebounds, 5 assists, 57% from the field this season. And I, I think it's partially uh, similar to, to what I said about Kendrick Nunn. Just like the Miami Heat exceeded expectations a ton. And I think, to your point, Bam has been good for a while, but he got more uh, of an opportunity this season. And uh, he's getting praise from from guys like Jimmy Butler, his teammate, who were saying, like, Bam's the MVP of our team this season. And I fully believe that. I think that he is the reason that they've been uh, as good as they have and that they've exceeded expectations as much as they have. And I think his uniqueness as a player is partially what drew me to him. Uh, And then with Van Vliet, um, he's a guy who, he played this well uh, in the finals last year, but, like, last regular season and in, like, the, the beginning of the playoffs was nowhere near as consistent. And it's gotten to a point where, um, we mentioned a guy like Karis LeVert earlier. Uh, Josh, you and I have talked about how him and Spencer Dinwiddie, like late in games, I feel like they're an automatic one for two from the line. Van Vliet is a guy who I like fully trust at all times. And he's not only that, he's playing uh, extremely well, 17 and a half points, six and a half assists a game, 39% from three. Um, he just kind of has become a rock for that Raptors team. And like through all their injuries, he's been the guy who's been there uh, the whole season, like really contributing at a high level. So I, I, I kind of just wanted to reward him. I know you mentioned him too. And then Ingram, um, I did have him fourth on my list. Um, I probably could put him ahead of Graham at this point. Gavin, what do you think? Um, I actually, it's it's interesting how, how this has gone because I agreed with Marcus on rookie, then Josh swayed me on six man. And now I'm totally team Josh. Ugh. This award, most improved. Uh, I, have, I have Christian Wood as my winner, like a guy who I Whoa. just don't think I just don't think he was like really relevant as an NBA player a year ago. And maybe that's that's my own ignorance. But I just I don't really remember him doing anything to like a dude who I think like might be on track to be a future all star at only 24 years old. Like it's it's crazy. People are calling it the the Corona game now, Um, like the game where he probably got he scored 32 (laughs) points on Rudy Gobert. And he'd only play, he played 13. You know, what's funny. You know, he was on the Bucks roster last year. Could you imagine they just held on to him? Yeah. Like well, he was like a consistent G League like all star. Everyone was wondering why he hadn't gotten called up, and it's crazy that it took Detroit 
to take a chance on him for him to actually get like a legitimate contract. That's a shame that Milwaukee didn't keep him because like, isn't that crazy? Like, I don't want to say Christian Wood could swing the finals, but I really, I think he'd make, he'd make a difference for them. And yeah, no, I mean, he's just a guy like over like the last like month and a half who like, I like, because I, I'm pretty sure he's a free agent this off season. Um, I really want the Knicks yep. to go after potentially like I, I, to me, like he's like one of the more interesting free agents, just to give you guys an idea post all-star break, which is only, only nine games. Unfortunately he might finish his only nine games, but averaging 24 points, 10 boards, one block on 57, 39, 76 shooting. That's nuts. Like he, he's been, he, he's been great and looks like a future star. Um, I had Ingram second. I, I think the jump from like solid player to like clear all-star is, is a pretty significant one. And on a New Orleans team that looked like it was going to have a heck of a lot of depth at the beginning of the season after Zion got hurt and like they were dealing with other injuries and guys in and out of the lineup, like he, he really carried them for stretches. Granted, they were still pretty bad for the most part, but even before Zion came back, they were turning into a pretty scary team. And I think that was all on Ingram turning himself into one of the higher level scorers in the sport. Uh, third, there were like a couple different guys I was considering, but I ultimately, I agree with Marcus. I went with Bam. Like, I just think, I think the leap from like pretty good to like all-star is, it's just a little more important to me than like from sort of like inessential role player to like high level role player. So I think, I think Bam deserves to be recognized and, and awarded for that because I, I agree with Marcus. Like he's, I, I think he's um, like maybe not their most valuable guy in the playoffs. Like I think Jimmy Butler is like the guy they could least afford to lose, but I think he's been their best player this season and, and the heat have been really good and, and one of my favorite teams to watch all year. So I think he belongs in that conversation. Um, another guy in the Miami heat, Duncan Robinson also got a little consideration for me. Like he just, he was good last year, but he just wasn't nearly this consistent and didn't play nearly as much. And he's gone from that to one of the highest level shooters in the sport. Another Pelican Alonzo ball um, turned himself from a negative shooter into like a really, like a really high level three point shooter at the point guard spot. And, and I think, I think the job he's done both offensively and defensively this, this season, just because there are so many guys there have gone kind of underrated in new Orleans and just two guys under the radar. Davis Bertans has, has sort of like Robinson gone from like, kind of a bit role player to one of the three or four best three-point shooters in the league. I, I'd say he's even been better than Robinson this year. And then another, um, a Toronto Raptor, who's, who's not Fred Van Fleet, even though I agree he, he belongs in the mix, Marcus. Uh, Norm Powell, um, a guy who's been in, inconsistent forever, yep. um, has been one of their best scorers. And like, especially when they've had all these injuries, like he, he's been and guiding them as one of the better teams in the league had been one of the top two or three or four guys in their rotation. So uh, that's, that's sort of the litany of my guys, but I feel very good about that Christian Wood pick. Yeah. I, I think uh, Norm Powell is a, a good one. Nets fans will remember Norm Powell and be pissed at him for taking Karis Levert's uh, player of the week award. When Karis had the 51 and the triple double uh, Norm got player of the week that week. He's had a great season as well. I think Christian Wood has two. Uh, my only thing with him at number one is like, if you look at the history of, of this award, it kind of goes to guys like uh, Ingram or Adebayo who kind of either became all-stars that season or like go on to do that. Like the last eight or the last seven uh, most improved players, Siakam, Oladipo, Giannis, CJ McCollum, Jimmy Butler, Dragic, Paul George. So I feel like unless Christian Wood, you think he's going to be in that class, this award is kind of for those guys going from good to great, even though... I think in my head, like if, if I didn't see that list, I would have thought, yeah, it's kind of the guys who like most surprise you in a season. But it does seem like uh, the ballot has kind of leaned towards uh, guys who make that jump from good to great. 
Look, Marcus, we've never had a season end because of a coronavirus outbreak. Yeah. We gotta, we were, it's changing times, and we, we got to change with them. I also think – I just realized that we didn't mention uh, Siakam, and I think yeah. he, he definitely deserves – just because there's so many guys on the Raptors who are really good and so many guys on the Raptors, particularly for this award, just because – I mean, it's, it's obvious how incredible their player development – program is that they have going there but like again like he he made he made yet another leap this year and and it's sort of similar with him and Van Vliet and the reason I didn't think of those guys is because for the most part they were both so good in the playoffs but uh, Siakam went from sort of like inconsistent uh third banana to like a legit number one option on, on the best team in the league and and sorry, best team in the league a team that played like the best team in the league for stretches this year and, and I, I also I get the argument that like like his ceiling is is probably like lower than like a top 10 to 15 guy. But I, I just think he was so far away from being this consistent of a type of dude. And, and you, you've seen it in some big games like where he's like he really has come to play, like even going up against like heavy, heavy hitters in this league. And the guys we're talking about in the MVP race and the first team all NBA race. So I, I think I think he deserves some credit for the, the type of jump he made this year as well. Yeah, definitely. And, and Siakam, I think, is maybe hurt in this by having just won it. Like, uh, definitely, I think there's like a hesitancy to give a guy like the same award two years in a row, particularly this one. Um, I think that, that that happened with with LeBron a lot uh, in his prime. And I think it, it was close to happening this season with Giannis, where, right. uh, like we said, like, I think if the season had continued, that uh, LeBron's campaign would have maybe picked up more momentum and maybe gotten him the award. We saw it. Uh, with Harden last year after he had won the year before, like I think people are for whatever reason, they, they just are like, okay, this guy just won. Let's pick someone else now. Um, so I think that probably uh, contributed even like subconsciously to us not bringing up Siakam earlier. Yeah. Marcus, I never realized you were so into consensus. You're talking about what everyone else is doing. I thought you were a color outside the lines kind of guy. Gavin, this is all outside the lines. No one is making picks yet. This whole this whole podcast is outside the lines. Shout kidding? out to Bob Lee. Yeah, I was going to say, Bob Lee isn't even here. Where is he? <laughs> Where's Bob Lee? Stay safe, Bob Lee. Keep Bob Lee inside. Should uh, we, should we, can we tweet this episode out with the hashtag, keep Bob Lee inside? We'll see. We'll see how the rest of the podcast <laughs> Hashtag goes. social distance Bob Lee. Like if social any, distance if, Bob Lee. Yeah, if anyone, if Bob Lee calls you to hang out, don't do it. Yeah, for his sake. Yeah, for his sake, yeah. All right, before before we get too far off the rails, uh, let's steer this back a little bit to to uh, some more awards picks. Um, we, we mentioned a couple Toronto Raptors in the last uh, section, which which tracks with this next award, Coach of the Year. Um, I have Nick Nurse, number one, and then I have, it gets a little bit hazy. I think coaching is kind of hard to separate from the actual talent on the roster and also from uh, GMing in terms of like constructing and building that roster. But after Nurse... I went with Brad Stevens and then Billy Donovan uh, of the Celtics and Thunder, respectively. Obviously, there's like a ton of guys you can make a case for. Um, so I'm expecting that we'll all kind of have picks from all all over the league. But Josh, who did you who did you have for this award? Yeah, I uh, I think you really can't go wrong because I feel like with this award any year, there's like six coaches that did a really good job, and you named guys like. Um, like Billy Donovan and, and Bud, who I didn't have on my list. I went with Taylor Jenkins, number one. Mm. Uh, I just think the job he did with Memphis and like their lack of talent and just helping them um, for, for a team that didn't expect to compete for the playoffs for at least a couple years to just accelerate that that track so much is awesome uh, and just a great job there. 
for a guy who's very young in his coaching tenure. At second, the job he's done with his Raptors team, not only uh, after losing Kawhi, but also Danny Green, has been uh, phenomenal. And the contributions that they've gotten out of role players, um, like a Norman Powell and, and his contributions, Van Fleet, who's done an awesome job and, and really kind of carried the momentum he had last season. Guys like Chris Boucher and Terrence Davis emerging. Uh, he's cobbled together a really excellent team, so I'll go with him second. And then Vogel, third. Obviously, Lakers are extremely talented, but I think everyone came in uh, to the year saying, uh, you know, who knows if Vogel was the right hire. Obviously, his guys like Kidd and Lionel Hollins on his staff who might be future successors if LeBron gets sick of him. But the job that he's done and, and kind of the um, really they've managed to um, really stay on a good track um, as a team. And everyone is is on the same page. And I think a lot of that credit has to do with Frank Vogel, not necessarily for the X's and O's, but more so for the managing of personalities. Uh, so I'll give him that third spot. Are you saying for the Jims and Joes, Josh? That's exactly what I'm saying, Gavin. <laughs> oh, good. I, th- I thought you cut out for a second. You're kind of hesitant there. Um, I had uh, I-, I have Billy Donovan as-, as my winner, which I never thought I'd say because I-, I didn't think he was a good coach for a long time at, at the NBA level anyways. But I think it's pretty amazing what he did with that Thunder team this year. And it's 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 hard when when rosters have guys like Chris Paul and LeBron who are such basketball geniuses. I'm like, all right, who's, who's really coaching the team? So may- maybe a co-award to Billy Donovan and CP3. But it just, I mean, I think it's pretty incredible. They have the same record as, as the Rockets this year in just like an absolutely loaded Western Conference where on a night-to-night basis, basically every team you play is at least competitive or pretty good, um, that he's guided them to the fifth spot this year with, with again, just, just a weird, weird team overall, um, I think is really impressive. And a pretty pretty young team outside of uh, their like their core of uh, Gallo, uh, CP, and Steven Adams. So I, I give him a lot of credit. I had Taylor Jenkins second. I think what he's done this year in Memphis is amazing. And there, there was a stretch where the Grizzlies fell off a little bit. Like if they were playing over 500, I, I might even consider putting him in first just because I don't think that team has any business being in the eighth seed. Um, that was great. And then third, I actually, I, I will kind of, I, I thought a lot about putting Nick Nurse here, but I just think that's such a deep roster and it's just, it's, it's, again, it's hard to separate Masai Ujiri from Nurse in that sense. And also, and like, I don't know, like, who deserves credit for their player development, whether that's Nurse himself or like the rest of their staff. Um, so that was sort of like, not, not my issue with him, but just kind of picking nits because again, you could, you could put any of 10 guys in the top three in some order and, and it'd be fine. But I, I had Mike Budenholzer third. And I think too often we, we kind of discount coaches because of infrastructure in these settings and say, all right, they, they built that up years ago and they're just sort of running it back. But to have Milwaukee, like, obviously they've fallen off a little bit, like, with Giannis injured, but, like, at one point, like, on track to finish um, with 70 wins this year um, on a team that has one genuine superstar and, like, another really, really good player in Chris Middleton, but just but just one genuine guy at that level. Like, you think about, the like, the Heat teams that were absolutely loaded with with Wade, James, and Bosh, and, like, they never approached 70 wins like this. It, it's it's just, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing what he's done, and I know it's sort of the same thing that he did last year, but I, I don't think that diminishes the accomplishment. As far as honorable mentions, uh, Nurse I would probably have in fourth. And then a few other guys I wanted to mention, uh, Mike D'Antoni, just because of sort of the boldness of the direction the Rockets have gone. And it's hard to tell if that's on his mandate or if it's on Daryl Morey's mandate. But I, I just I like the innovation, even if it has worn off a little bit after they had a 10 game stretch following those trades where it seemed like they were playing like the best team in basketball. Eric Spolster, again, you're kind of rewarding the infrastructure in Miami, but he, he's taken a team of, of sort of weird pieces that I think with a with a lesser coach. 
and just a lesser organizational strength would would either be bit players or, or not even in rotations. And guys like Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson and even like an aging Goran Trokic, and he's put them together in something greater than the sum of their parts. And then also a shout out to Vogel. Like, I think it's a little hypocritical that I kind of punished him for LeBron when I didn't punish Billy Donovan for CP3. But um, he's, he's done a great job this year. And I, I didn't think the Lakers would be this good or this cohesive this year. And he, he surprised me the way he's gotten a team with with really a lot of subpar players around their two superstars to be as good as they have. Yeah, also, Vogel, Vogel's yeah. done a great job. Let's give a shout out to Nate McMillan, another guy who I think yeah, yeah. maligned as, as a coach for his time in, in Portland. Um, but the job he's done with Indiana, especially this year, has been uh, awesome. I think he deserves, deserves at least an honorable mention. Yeah. Um, the only other guy that I mentioned that you guys didn't talk about was Brad Stevens. I just thought that uh, losing Kyrie and Horford, like that's a lot of talent out the door, even though obviously those guys haven't done much this season uh, because of either injury or age. But uh, to lose those guys and to not only miss a, not miss a step, but to, to, to kind of improve 43 and 21, uh, pushing for that two seed uh, up against the Raptors. Um, Jason Tatum made a leap. I just felt like uh, Daniel Tice contributed. I felt like those guys uh, all kind of internally improved and kind of looked at each other and were like, we're in this together. And I felt like their vibe was that of like a very uh, well, like, managed team and well put together team obviously like we've talked about throughout this whole segment hard to separate from like Danny Ainge and and the rest but wanted to give him a shout out and also Josh uh the only undefeated coach this season as far as I I can tell Jacques Vaughn 2-0 gotta shout him out only coach undefeated um it's a shame that he wasn't able to finish out the season because I think we were all confident he would have finished at 20-0 but uh gotta give a shout out to Jacques (laughs) Yeah, he beat the Lakers. He beat both of your guy, Frank Vogel. You know, fair, fair. Yeah. Gavin, any Jacques Vaughn thoughts before I move on? No comment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Miller, no votes in this section. Uh, he, he, he was, he was. I think he, I think he was. He's a pretty been good. solid. Yeah, Is he's he? Good. Yeah. He's not. I don't think he's great. He's, he's good though. He's fine. He's much, yeah. He's much better than what the Knicks have had recently. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for the second part of our three-part series on the NBA Awards. Uh, Coming up tomorrow, we've got Defensive Player of the Year, and then finally our All-NBA teams, all three, uh, first team, second team, third team. So make sure to keep on listening for that. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Uh, We're at LockedOnNets. Josh is at JMBass underscore. I'm at Marcus Barahal, and Gavin is at Gavin Shaw. Uh, Make sure to subscribe, keep listening wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be back in your ears tomorrow with part three. See you then. Wash your hands.